make this work. Um, one of those is me hitting this button to um, make my sound come on. And also, grabbing my clicker. Thank you, Jenny and Monica, for the years that you guys have kept me in line. Um, you know I'm, I'm without um, someone to kind of remind me of those things this morning. My family is um, waiting there in Virginia, and the, school, the boys have um, went ahead and um, enrolled in school. We have a number of things that um, we have going on, as, as do your families. And so this is not... A, um, a sermon about my transition. It's not. Because you're not a congregation that marks your calendar by any one man standing here and preaching a sermon. Um, you are the church. As you learned last week, the church that is beautiful to the Lord, God, refuses to think small, stands tall, and answers to the call. Thank you, Kevin. Um, I, powerful message. I appreciate that. And, um, and I think we need to remind ourselves of that. That we have, have opportunities to, um, to respond and stand tall and do all the things that, um, that God would expect from us as his church. Tonight we have um, small groups that are meeting at 5 o'clock. Um, our small groups um, are listed in the Insider and then I, I believe there's still sign-up sheets out on the Welcome Center. So if you're looking for a small group, if you're looking for an address or a place to go and, and participate in those, um, you'll have a small group guy to follow up this sermon and um, I have a lot of faith in those hosts and um, facilitators to continue that work. That's a, an important work. Uh, fellowship as a church is something that we cannot stray from. Um, we've been challenged in the last year, two years, that, to disregard the need for contact with other people, to, um, to try to convince us that we're safer when we're apart, and that may be true based on some um, medical information and certain things, but the church doesn't operate like that. Um, we need each other. Um, I, I'm going to continue to need you in my life. Um, I'm afraid that um, the preaching won't be the same from a different vantage point. Um, that I won't know what to say to people because I don't know their lives as well. Um, but what I know, even this week, is that sometimes um, knowing each other doesn't make life together any easier. We face tr troubles and, and difficult circumstances. And we have hope this morning. We have hope we have a reason to respond because we have a hope in Jesus Christ. We, have, um, we, were le we learned this morning in 1 Peter that, um, that faith in God gives us hope. And that hope may require us to live as exiles, as foreigners, as strangers to everything that goes on in our world that seems normal or right. We talked about loving others in 1 Peter this morning, but loving others with the knowledge of the Word of God as the foundation of what love really is. Because it's confusing in our world today. Love is something that we're supposed to do and we're supposed to freely give to everyone. But not ignorant love. Not love that's based on something besides truth. We have to balance our life with love and truth. Truth and love. We can't just be people who have all the answers but don't have a heart for other people. So this morning as we respond, we're reminded again that there's a fine line between success and failure. There's a fine line between the, the circumstances of our lives being um, favorable for us to respond successfully and then at times be so completely overwhelming that, um, that failure is, seems like it's not an option. And of all the things you have going on, church, 
Success has already been given to us. The hope in Christ Jesus isn't this may come to be. The hope in Christ Jesus is the end story has already been defined. That we are more than conquerors. That we're given a home in heaven based on how we respond to our life here on earth. We'll be, um, we'll be given an opportunity to have an invitation just like every Sunday. And a chance to respond to become a Christian. To walk in a fellowship with people that, um, that need each other. And so when you, you think about this decision between success and failure, it's not just one big decision in your life. It's not who you marry or where you go to school or, or where you're going to live or how you're going to raise your children. It's who your father is. It's who you fellowship with. And how you take care of those who you fellowship with. How you honor the commitments that you have to each other. And how you transition through times where you feel like commitments have been broken. Because there's a greater picture, there's a greater purpose, there's a greater reason why we're here today. It is about the church as a whole. It's about the narrative of the church and God's love story from us from the beginning. And that's greater than any one of us sitting here today. It's going to be a great opportunity one day to fellowship in heaven forever. And I, I, I look forward to that day. Because that day, the great transition brings everyone who I miss and who I've worked with or lived with or, or ministered to together in one place. No more deciding where the best place is. We already know where that best place is. So this morning, responding in times of transition. In Acts chapter 3, chapter 4, um, in, the, in the beginning book there in Acts, we see how the church is to respond minus Christ after the ascension. What do you do whenever the most important figure in your life is gone? Jesus Christ. Well, we'll see how the church responds through the work of the Spirit, which is a very encouraging narrative we need to, we need to touch on this morning. And we'll see how the church responds because the church responding is God's will. That's the point. That's the reason. You know, I love going to theme parks. Um, uh, how many of you have been to Holiday World this year? I make my yearly sabbatical to Holiday World. Um, we're a Disney family also. Lord Beth um, plans a lot of Disney vacations. We've been to Disney a lot. Um, this is a scene that happens often um, in, um, in theme parks and, and, and places like that. This is the, um, the transition place after the Pirates of the Caribbean. I love that ride. You, um, it's old and it's not that uh, flashy. It doesn't do, do a bunch of um, things. But something about it is just the nostalgia in it. Um, I just, I love that ride. And when you get off the ride, Disney's smart. They transition you through what? A gift shop. That's exactly right. They transition you through a gift shop. Um, Holiday World, maybe they don't have a, a gift shop kiosk that you walk directly through, but there's usually one at the end of the rides. I know there's one at the end of like, the voyage or um, one of those. And then they have those places where you can go check your pictures. There's an opportunity during that transition for the theme park to take advantage of where your mind's at. You're thinking about the experience. You're looking for, um, for something to remember that by. This, um, this experience is an opportunity or it can be a distraction. Now, as kids, you're like, wow, that's the same sword. Isn't that the same? Look at these things in this gift shop. 
And the parents are like, come on, let's go to the next ride. Let's hurry up. Because um, all those things are very expensive in this case. Um, but, uh, but maybe you don't need all those things, but the things are there for a reason. It's, it's, um, it's an opportunity for us to be, um, to be distracted and to respond the way maybe um, the world, in this case, wants you to see it. You need these things. You, these things are going to make this experience sweeter. Or it's a chance for you to stay focused, church, <laughs> and walk past those distractions in life. Now, I'm not saying these are bad distractions. These aren't bad things. I don't want to have a bunch of slides of all the distractions that are really detrimental to our lives. But you get the point. Life is full of people trying to take advantage of your focus. And then Satan is not just sitting back hoping that um, the groundwork that he laid and, and the things that he sort of laid out there as traps for people in the history of time still are relevant to you. He is adapting those things. He's restocking his shelves. He's placing his merchandise in places that are most likely for you to see. And if you don't know this is a thing, go to the grocery store today. The Snickers bars aren't close to the floor because you're, you're, you, that's the easiest place for some of us to get those. Uh, my, my back hurts today. I don't know if I could bend over to grab a Snickers bar from some of the places they put those in the stores. That's for your children to be at eye level with the things that you know they want. The sales racks, the things that the, the department stores have, they're strategically placed in your life to be most valuable to their bottom line. And the world is full of transitioning places. I like that we're here this morning as a church in fellowship in this place because this is a good transitioning place. This is a good place when your week hasn't gone exactly like you'd want it to, to reassess what's most valuable in your life, look at those things and respond moving forward. It is a blessing that you have a transition place like the church on a Sunday on a Wednesday Bible class, in people's homes during small groups, because life is not very friendly to us at times. And the decisions we make, whether they're personal to us and our family, or they're business-related, still involve church first. It would be too simple to say this is business and not church. It would be too simple to say this is family and not neighbors. It would be way too simple to say my church and not your church. We have a much greater responsibility to not get distracted by the narratives of our world and the transitioning places that we find ourselves in. So kids, school is a transitioning place that you cannot avoid. But it is not, it is not the place where all truth is going to be found. Open your Bibles. Adults, work is a transitioning place that you cannot avoid. But it should not be void of a balanced scriptural focus your neighborhoods and your communities are not transitioning places that you can avoid but we can be like Christ in those circumstances in Acts chapter 1 you see they gathered around him and asked Lord are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel and he said it's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. Even those who were following Jesus most closely, those that he had surrounded himself by, those apostles that he was training, that he was transitioning through different 
circumstances in their life and, and helping them grow to a greater knowledge, even they still had to experience a transitioning place. Even their faith had to be built upon something that they did not fully understand because that's exactly what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for, not the evidence of things seen. We will not know exactly how to respond to every situation in life, but through the Word of God, but through the example of Christ Jesus, but through people that He engaged and empowered through His Spirit to show us how to behave. Because sometimes we don't know how to make the right choices. And it would be nice to stare into the sky and say, God, just tell me what I need to do. I prayed a lot of those prayers in the last few months. Just throw up some roadblocks. Make this decision easier. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up and before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. In the transitioning places, you can find empowerment through the Spirit that can change the world. In fact, our, our one simple truth this morning is, is related to just that. It's responding in faith helps the world know Jesus. It's much too easy to respond when circumstances are already laid out before us and, and, and us to expect that the world is going to be impressed by that. And this isn't even about impressing the world. But we have a responsibility to live as faithful people and to expect that faithful message to go to all ends of the world because God's message is true. And universal truth is something that we look for and long for in our culture today and everyone's got their own truths and I'm telling you, none of them matter except the ones that we're talking about this morning. And not just this lesson, but all the lessons that we should be responding to. Because the church is more than just a building or a transitioning place or a kiosk that's a comfortable place to sit and listen to some, someone in particular to speak to you. It's a mobile, active body of Christ that is trying to take over the world. To take over the culture of the world. The priorities of the world. To give the world an eyes on something greater than what the world has. So these men watched Jesus leave their sight. And as they were looking intently into the sky, as he was going, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This name, Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back, church. And we have a choice. In this time of transition, we can respond by staring at the sky and wondering when things are going to change, or we can take the gospel to the world. Transition provides an opportunity, a time for opportunity. There are a number of things to transition, a number of emotions maybe that it brings forward, fear, regret, anxiety. But positive thinking, church, it brings forth opportunity. Opportunity for new eyes, new voices. Opportunity for more people to step up and be involved. Transition provides an opportunity for the gospel message and the church to be highlighted. The church highlighted above 
a good song leader, a good minister. The church highlighted above a good youth group. A church highlighted above some of these things that we see as important. And they are important, collectively. But the church, in all circumstances, transition provides a time for opportunity. The day of Pentecost then comes. They're all gathered together. And then suddenly a sound, like a blowing violent wind, came from heaven. It filled the whole house they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to, began to speak in tongues and in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Post-Christ, the church was empowered. Transition provided opportunity for Christ to work through people within dwelling the Holy Spirit. Now, how the Holy Spirit works within people may have changed since this. Maybe we're not here this morning speaking in tongues and have miraculous powers to raise people from the dead or to heal lame beggars. But we have power through the Holy Spirit. Don't diminish the work of the Holy Spirit because you see great things happen in Acts and you say, where are those things today? Greater things today happen when we are patient and kind and loving and steadfast, when we're self-controlled because our, our culture is not one that's self-controlled. Our culture is not one that's patient or kind or loving all the time. So the fruits of the Spirit in work in our lives can show a more powerful message than just being able to do something that would shock and awe people. Today, the church, the way the church can shock and awe culture is to live like Christ in love and truth at the same time. And do the things that our culture is void of at times. The things that the fruits of the Spirit have enabled us. Transition to scripture can help us be more effective in ministry. In the call to worship, we talked about the therefores. And what, what, the, what that is there for. And it's a chance to, to stop where you're at and review what you've just read. It's an opportunity to be more effective as a minister in ministry. Scripture teaches through um, dedication to deeper truths. The therefores are important because they the, the message is taught and maybe shown in a parable or an example. And then the therefore takes you back and says, read it again. Look at it again because there's more meat on this bone. This isn't just milk you're drinking. This is, this is meat that you're supposed to chew on. These are things that you're supposed to deal with in your minds and in your hearts. And transitions in life allow scripture to give you a direction that Sometimes it's hard to swallow. But gives you power when you learn those lessons. Transitions in Scripture can help you be more effective. If there was no transition for Paul and John, or for Peter and John, or Paul, or the apostles, after Christ, and then the end of the story was they were just going to labor in anguish, in prison, and have no power, then where's the hope in the message this morning, church? If Jesus left and abandoned all those followers and said, you have nothing be besides me, that my love stopped after God created you and I lived amongst you and I left you powerless to deal with your life. That's not how the love story ends. The love story ends with empowerment through the, through the Holy Spirit. And Scripture is waiting to define that message in your life. Scripture is throwing you therefores and circumstances and words for you to go back and look again because there's something missing in your life. 
And that sounds like a harsh message. How do you know my life this morning? Because I know you. Because God's known you from the beginning of time. And he wouldn't write a story or have a story defined for your life for you to ignore because it was written to another audience or maybe at a different time. Scripture is written for a reason, John, is it not? It's, it's written for us to learn from. Even those Old Testament stories that we don't focus as much on are still valuable lessons for us to learn. Transitions in Scripture can help us be more effective in ministry. Oftentimes, religious people responding to rules without love is what people think about when they hear church. In fact, in Matthew, when Jesus teaches and preaches, he preaches to people who call themselves religious without love. They were following rules, but the heart of God wasn't found in their response. They were doing the right things for the wrong reasons. What does God want? He wants loving people responding to the world with true religion. He wants loving people responding to the world with true religion. In James chapter 1, verse 27, religion that God and the Father accept as pure and fruitless is this. Look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself being polluted by the world. What commandments are most important? Yes, to love God, but to also love others. Transitions in life and opportunities to gain a greater knowledge of what truth is teach us these things. That understanding the rules as a church isn't as valuable as loving with true religion. In Acts chapter 2, 36 and 37, Therefore let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They were convicted. They were called. And that transition, that opportunity in life, gave them an opportunity to grow deeper in their faith. Transitions in life can help grow our faith. Transitions in life can help us see where we are making mistakes. Or we've had faulty thinking. Or maybe our actions haven't matched our words. Or maybe our actions and our words haven't matched his. And someone calls us out on those circumstances. And it's an opportunity for us to grow in our faith. Now, we see the opposite at times. Sometimes people abandon their faith when things get difficult. That's not what the church is there for. The church is not there to abandon the faith when things get difficult. The church is there to rise up through the power of the Holy Spirit and live like Christ, to give an alternative example of how to respond in our world. People depended on sacrifices being made for them. That's what the, the scripture was about at some point. People that were dependent upon a high priest making, making their lives better, or making their lives holy. But now we see people dependent on a relationship with the one true God through the example of Jesus Christ and into only the Holy Spirit to do it the way it was meant to be done. To rise up as priests, priestly people ourselves and be set apart and called to be holy and looking for personal responsibility in what it means to be the church. It is not one person's responsibility nor just the leaders of this congregation to make the decisions for you. It is our responsibility collectively. And transitions in life help us grow in those opportunities. 
Help us grow to being a living sacrifice. Peter replies, Repent and be baptized, everyone in you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all those who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. You say, well, I wasn't here for this. I wasn't in this context. I wasn't in this historical setting. But you are far off from this scenario. But thought about in this scenario. If you haven't repented of your sins and been baptized as a Christian, that's what the invitation is going to invite you to do today. But it's also an opportunity and invitation to receive the gifts that God has given you and your children and the children that will follow you. Because the story of the church didn't stop, and it does not stop until the end of the world. And our story may be, may be easier because our circumstances are a little more favorable, but look around our world today, and not every person who's, who calls themselves a Christian are living in favorable circumstances. I do not believe that the Taliban is giving favorable circumstances to Christians in Afghanistan right now. And if you believe that narrative, I think you need to look deeper in what the Word of God says about how time works and not what the news says of what's happening in our world. There are people who are being challenged daily and killed for their faith. And that may not be us. So we don't believe it's true? Believe it's true, church. It happened then, and it'll happen again. The world will become a very difficult place to live in. And we need to be exiled from it, to be set apart, to be different than what the world presents as truth. Because we were thought about in this message. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accept his message were baptized. And there were about 3,000 added to that number. And what did those people do? They did some basic things to be the church. They devoted themselves to the teaching. They fellowshiped together in communion and breaking of bread. They prayed together. They witnessed the things that were going on around them. They even sold their, their possessions to help each other out. They rallied the troops. They circled the wagons. And they allowed a transition place for the church to thrive. They sold their possessions. They broke bread in homes. And with glad and sincere hearts, they praised God and enjoyed the favor of the people. In difficult circumstances, they responded in joy. And people decided to follow that message. You know, yesterday was September 11th. We referenced that. And September 12th came. And we responded as a nation. I would say a much more godly nation at that point because we were more focused on spiritual things at that point than we had been in years. And people were praying and people were reaching out and people were digging through rubble and doing everything, all the dirty things that needed to be done to provide a safe place of transition for people who were suffering. And then the years passed. 
And after a significant amount of time, we remember, but do we remember the response? See, we can remember the terror. We can remember in fear and anxiety the things that cripple us as a nation. But do we remember the response? Mr. Rogers tells you to look around when things are going bad and look for people who are responding. Look for people who are helping. Look for the good people. Church, we have a history of that. And there are people who are looking to be saved from our world and our culture and everything that's dragging them down. And they're looking for people who are joy in times of trans- joyful in times of transition. Let me repeat again, Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for forgiveness of your sins. He said, repent and be baptized. We are called by the Lord. We are called. Look for people who are seeking a calling for their life. The Lord tells us there will come a time far off where people will be looking for that call. And we may be the lucky ones who have found that in our lives. We've responded to the invitation. And we're here this morning in faith because we have a hope in something greater. And there are people, there are people in our neighborhoods, in our community, lost in our world, who are looking or waiting for that call. And it may not come from Jesus Christ himself in the form of a man like it did for some of these people who witnessed Christ's life. It may come fortuitously from the word of God that they pick up in a drawer in a hotel room somewhere and they happen to turn to the right page that says, repent and be baptized. And maybe they do the work themselves because someone left the Bible laying around. But I think the Bible's laying around that God wants to be used the most are on our hearts from the pages of our lives. Not to be rewritten with different circumstances, but to mirror Christ and reflect his life as Christians, as the church. Yes, redirect and guide people back to book, chapter, verse, because it's important to show that there's something lasting beyond my words. But we have to be people who respond to the call. So what's the fine line between success and failure this morning? So what happens when our choices, our responses, put us in difficult circumstances? Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, we see those difficult circumstances. Just after the miracle that we we had read to us in Scripture, one of the first miracles post-Jesus Christ, the healing of a lame beggar, one that everyone knew had been lame since birth, The priests and the captains and the temple guards and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people, convicting the people, calling the people to repent and be baptized. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming to Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them into jail until the next day. But look for a transition here. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men and women who believed grew to be about 5,000. And what you're going to find out about this growing number of radical Christians is that number became so powerful as they provided a transitioning place for themselves in the midst of the apostles being put into prison that the apostles' lives would be spared because of this movement. 
Now, in the end, these men give their lives for Christ, but the work of the church continues and continues to grow. So the fine line between success and failure for Peter and John wasn't going to jail to teach the message. And for the people, it wasn't to run and hide. There will come a time where being scattered is, is God's will, but not in this case. That transition time of being scattered that you read about in the book of Acts is an opportunity for this message to go, to radiate, to spread the gospel even further. So the fine line between success and failure is who are you listening to? You find yourself in the kiosk of life in that place where there's, there's all kinds of things being marketed toward you and Satan says, Satan is waiting to capitalize from our lack of focus. Your transitions in life are a chance for him to distract you because you're not prepared or you're not focused. You don't have your mind set on things above, so Satan is waiting to take advantage. And God is with us, leading us into unknown territory. If you look in Romans chapter 8, I'm very encouraged um, by Paul's words here to the, the, Roman, the Romans. In, in, in verses um, eight and, eight, 9 through 11, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But, transition word, if Christ is in you, that even, through your body, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And in the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. He's not going to give you life eternally here on earth because he wants your bones to be walking about this earth. He wants your spirit to affect the world. So he gives you his spirit to give you something to complete you, to give you a message of Christ that is beyond you, that people have been waiting for well before, this, well before you were alive. God is, is with us, leading us into unknown territory. The territory of the spirit, church. It's not based on fleshly desires. Not silver and gold, as Peter even said. He didn't have that to give the lame beggar. He had something greater, something spiritual. Peter references that again in 1 Peter. We learned that this morning in our class. Silver and gold is not the priority here. Spiritual things. God is leading us into unknown territory. Well, Satan is waiting to capitalize from our fear. Transitions are tough, and I'm scared. I don't have the answers. I don't know where to turn. And God has already made us overcomers. He's already made us overcomers. Look at 14 through 17 of the same chapter in Romans. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought you, out, brought you about your adoption to sonship. And you are able to cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we also share in the glory. We're not slaves to something that does not, that does not lead to life. We're servants and something that makes us overcomers. 
Satan is waiting to capitalize from our inactivity. If we're not focused and we're afraid, then we're probably not doing what we should do. We're probably staring at the sky saying, all right, God, bring him back. Bring him back. We, we, even, we even ask for this oftentimes from this place. We say, all right, let the, let the end come. I'm ready to go to heaven. Paul even says it, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. There's, 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 there's some gain from going to heaven and living eternally in fellowship with God and Jesus Christ. But there's something very valuable being spirit-led here on this earth. God has given us a testimony of his goodness through the indwelling of the spirit. You want to show people of the world what's valuable? Live like Christ. In times of transition... Let Christ be a testimony to your life. Love people in truth. Support people. Support people with your fellowship. Eating together. Selling your possessions and supporting each other. Spending way too much time helping them move into a moving van when you're not really happy they're leaving anyways. Thank you, David and Goose. And then Goose said, you know if you ask people, they'd all come. And I said, I know, and I feel guilty about that. God has given us a testimony of his goodness. We're overcomers through this. So, one simple truth this morning. Responding with faith helps the world know Jesus. Because Satan, he is marketed. He's cornered the market of the world. And people without faith in God are left to stare at the kiosks that Satan has marketed for them. People walk through those transition points in life and they're fearful and they're not focused and they don't know where to turn and Satan is waiting there with the big flashing light. Hey, I have love over here. Love through fornication and adultery. Check out porn. That, that'll, that'll really grab your attention. Or hey, you're really feeling unfulfilled. Don't give your things away. Keep your things. Sell your things. Make more money. Silver and gold is more important. Satan is waiting to say, hey, it's not fair that things are this difficult. He's even telling you, in a world today, maybe you shouldn't work as hard for the things you used to. Maybe let people give it to you. Maybe you should just stay at home and, and let people pay for your own, the things that you need. And we're a society that says, maybe that's a better way. The Bible is clear about inactivity, of being lazy, and being a sluggard. We have a responsibility to work and actively seek God in our lives. Satan has a message marketed for each and every one of you today. And it may not be any of these temptations that seem so disgusting that we think some people struggle with. But it could be pride. It could be arrogance. It could be an unforgiving heart. It could be business over faith. We all have our reasons. So as we close this morning, and you're faced with the transition opportunity, respond to the invitation to repent and be baptized if that's the decision you need to make and if you already call yourself a Christian one who lives in this world as Christ as a part of the body of the church then live that message in truth and love live in front of God in the way that you would stand in judgment and be proud of how you've lived and live in front of your neighbors because a lost world is seeking the call 
Everyone created in the image of God has a desire within them at some point in their lives to fill that hole only, only meant for God. But Satan distracts us. It gives us all kinds of reasons to put other things in that place. And people without God, they will struggle their entire lives. And it may not seem like they struggle in a world that can be godless, but they will. Church fellowship is important. Church is important. And when the God thinks it's beautiful, it responds. If you have a need this morning, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity as we sing this song to respond, to be baptized, to repent, to become part of a family of of believers. If you have a private need, we have elders in the back that would love to talk with you, love to sit with you, love to pray with you. And church, I love you. I love you. And I love you because you're a part of the, the big picture. You're part of the church. And next week, a church that I know and I love will hear this message again. Because transitions are important.